Hey guys, <laughs> this looks a little different, huh? Man, I'm excited about tonight. Are you guys comfortable? You feeling good over there? Oh yeah, yeah. let's go. Um, who's excited for the panel tonight? Yeah, yeah, they're worthy of woos and claps. I'm really, really looking forward um, to, yeah, diving into Romans 8. I'm sure a couple of these faces look familiar to most of you, but I do want to take some time to just reintroduce, refresh, and we also have a new fun panelist there. So, yeah, panelists, introduce yourselves, please. You, Mitchell, you want to start at the end there? Sure. Sure. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mitchell. Um, I graduated not too long ago, um, so I'm like right in that stage of life that a lot of you are about to enter. Um, I work full-time now. I work as a regulatory data analyst, which is, sounds way cooler wow. than it is. actually pretty lame. What does um, that mean? <laughs> I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to be out in the working world, way different than college. But um, yeah, I'm just learning to follow Jesus and um, with, with less community. And I mean, I've still got, still got Salt City, but um, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not really sure what the criteria was for the introduction. That's okay. That's great. There's okay. Mitchell. Nailed it. All right. There we go. He's great. Yeah. I'm Mitchell. He's yeah, a youngin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give it up for Mitchell. <laughs> got a round of applause right there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, sure I'm Kaylee Hunting, um, married to Dave, and we've got two little ladies, Kate and Violet, at home, and that's our life right now is children. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest. And... I'm kind of convicted. Last time I was here, I was asked to introduce myself, and I claimed that I was just picked up at a bus stop because I needed a, someone to sit in the seat. Not true. Not true. <laughs> this is going to come a shock to some of you. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. There's going to be a little, a little hint here. <laughs> Whoa! I am actually, <laughs> actually, appearances can be deceiving. I'm just a rusty nail, and uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that you all can see a picture of Jesus in my life at the end of the day. Yeah. Perry's also an elder at Salt City Church, so <laughs> that's, <laughs> there's Terry and Kaylee and Mitchell. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, let's jump in. Um, as you all know, we've been studying Romans 8 for the last several weeks, and I'm sure you guys have been blown away by this text. This chapter is incredible and holds incredible truths for our lives. Um, and recently, I've actually been convicted by James 1, verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And I think even I fall into this as I show up to Salt Company. I hear the word, and then it kind of just like, yeah, that's good. And then it doesn't actually change my life. But what's unique about Romans 8 and the truths that this text holds is not only should we be changing our lives and should it be shaping the way we live, but it's also a really, really sweet opportunity for the Christian to get to participate in the truths that it holds. They're so beautiful and so wonderful for the saints in the room 
like we're children of God, and that actually changes the way we live as Christians. Um, and we should be living out of that identity. But even more than that, we get to participate in that identity in Christ. And so just really looking forward to this panel and really hoping that it helps us actually um, kind of take away, kind of get some grounded material and then live differently because of it. But even if we really want to live differently and feel like we should live differently because of this text, we actually need the Spirit's help. That's not enough for us to live differently. And so I believe that the Spirit is in this room tonight. And yeah, just want to invite you guys to ask the Spirit to do something in you tonight and take away and continue to do something in you through this text. So really, really excited for Romans 8 panel. Let's get started. We're just, we're literally just going to walk through the text, and I'm just going to ask them questions. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to this. We're just drilling They're them. They're really hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get started. Verse 1 of Romans 8 starts off by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And a couple of things come to mind when I think of Salt St. Paul and how we should look at this verse. But the first thing that came to mind is, if we're no longer condemned in Christ, why don't we just live however we want or live in sin or continue to live in our old patterns of life? Terry, do you have any thoughts on that? I do, and um, I brought notes because I, I wanted to not wander down a rabbit trail of, of senile wandering, but actually <laughs> kind of have something to share that was hopefully meaningful for you. So I think the simplest answer is that appearances can be deceiving. I'm not Captain America. And uh, surprise. And and a helpful filter for me when I'm reading the Bible in general is to think of it as wise counsel from a genuinely good, loving father. And and uh, so like in a in a in the animal kingdom. I don't know if this happens or not, but suppose there was a dad to Mickey Mouse, and he, and he showed him a mouse trap, and he went, son, this is not a charcuterie board. Do not take your food from this platter. <laughs> you know, what, what about uh, a worm in, wiggling at the end of this fish's vision? And it looks so good and so appealing, and that's what I want to eat. And the, and the wise parent says, bummer, you can't see it apparently, but there's an invisible line attached to a hook inside that. And when you grab the bait, you're going to be hooked. And, and so, you know, if you think about um, a, a young man or a young woman who dies of a fentanyl overdose, they are not pursuing death. It began with a, just a, a decision to have fun. I just want to have fun. Or, or how about a 20-year-old a individual who is serving a life sentence for a double homicide? This guy's New Year's resolution was not, I want to get in jail ASAP. It was, I want to be significant. I want to be important. I want respect. I don't know what, but... My, my main takeaway on that, Rachel, was 
the reason that we don't continue in what God calls sin is because he knows that it has a hook attached to it. The consequences do last a lifetime. That forgiveness is genuinely offered freely. But the consequences for my choices in my youth, I still am experiencing today. And, and some of you, I'm, I'm sure, can begin to relate to that too. So, um, yeah. There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but the end thereof is the way of death. That's good. That's so helpful. Those images are just make something that so feels so real and complex in the moment simple um, in my mind. So thanks for that. Um, the second thing that came to my mind when I read this verse um, is in Christ we are no longer condemned. But I feel this in my personal experience that I speak condemnation over myself. And when I look at God and then when I look at myself and I see the gap between those two things, I speak shame and guilt and condemnation over myself even though I am in Christ. Kaylee, do you have any... Um, any just words of encouragement, or what would you say to someone who feels just consumed by their sin and speaks condemnation over themselves? Mm. I think it's helpful to first um, identify the difference between condemnation and conviction. So condemnation is from the devil, and it draws you away from God. So it brings shame upon you, and it's often not specific, but it's just this general feeling of, like, I feel bad about myself but in a sense that you don't want to go to God with it. So it speaks lies of like, you're a Christian. How could you fill in the blank? Or you've been fo- you call yourself a leader or you've been following Jesus for this long. Like there's no way God could forgive you of whatever that blank is. So that's condemnation from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And I say it's, it's very specific, like a pin to a balloon. Like it's Um, a specific conviction about sin that actually draws us to God. So conviction draws us to God. It makes us recognize our sin, recognize our need for our Savior, and run to him. So I think it's helpful to identify which is which, um, because you can feel conviction, and that's a good thing. That's God calling you his kid and drawing you in. But to identify what condemnation is and say, that's not of the Holy Spirit. That's of the devil, and it's his tool to try to push you away from Christ. So I think with that distinction in mind, something that's been helpful for me as I have fought condemnation, like it it doesn't stop. All of your life you will be fighting that. But to come back to that truth of Romans 8.1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so for me, it's actually helped me in times of struggling Like, for example, um, uh, like if I'm feeling inadequate, I can just speak this simple line where I say, actually, Satan, you're right. I am inadequate. Like, that's the gospel, is that I come to Jesus based not on my own merit, but on my own sin. I say, all right, you are right. I am not adequate. But Jesus is fully adequate. And his death on the cross gives me his righteousness. And so now, before Christ, I am adequate because of what God has done in me. And so then it takes the focus off of myself and puts my eyes on Christ. And that's how we change. That's how we grow. That's so good. 
That is so good. Mitchell, do you have any thoughts to add to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been going through something similar for a while. Um, so this is, yeah, this question really kind of hits home. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to say sorry if you're really going through it. I mean, um, yeah, it, it can be tough. Um, it can be tough, but, but God is trying to teach you something in that. And you kind of just have to put your head down and just learn what you can while you're in it. Because um, God will bring you through. Um, but I know when you get in that situation, you kind of get in this cycle of, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. Like, how could I do that? Like, like what Kaylee said, like, I'm a leader. How could I, and how could I just, how could I do that sin again? How could I just not win? Because um, you have Jesus. And I don't know, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but you're wrong. Um, like, you're just wrong to think that. Like, and you kind of get stuck, and you're like, man, I can never win. And to say you can never win, like, how dare you say that? Like, like I don't know, I think many of us, like, we just get down, and we need the motivation to get out. Like, how dare you say you can't win? Like, like Jesus won for you. Like, you can, you can definitely get out of that. So you get stuck in these, these cycles and and what sin loves to do is it loves to give you tunnel vision. It loves to, to make you think this is the only thing in this moment right now. You have to do this. And it loves to try and get you to forget about God. Um, and so you've got to find ways to keep an eternal perspective. Um, but, yeah, you just, it's, it's, uh, it can be difficult. But, but sometimes in those times you just gotta, just got to pick up your Bible and remind yourself of the truth. And be like, wait a second, I don't need to be condemning myself. Like, I, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, it's, it's a fact. Um, and Paul talks about in, uh, in Romans, Romans 5, you have, you have access to God's grace by faith. Um, and a lot of times we, like, we believe in Jesus and we, like, wait for God's grace to just sit there. Like, wait, wait for God's grace to change our life without us really making a statement of faith. Um, and so I think that's how a lot of us get stuck and we stay there for so long, like, and like, yes, God, God does change you, like by grace, even with you, without you even trying, without you even wanting it. Like He just does it because He because He loves He loves us so much. But, um, but yeah, if you're if you're in that, like take the statement of faith and be like, wait a second, I don't have to do this, um, and just move forward, and uh, just stop focusing on yourself, put your eyes on Jesus, and love other people. Yeah, yeah, we can have faith that this is more true than what we're believing about ourselves, that the text saying that there's no condemnation is more true than what the lie that we're believing is. So, so clinging to that is helpful. Um, yeah, continuing in Romans 8, verses 5 and 6, say, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace i think like so often our minds like drift and wander and we feel like we don't have actual control over our thoughts um, but the text says that our minds wandering to the things of this world leads to death so how do we set our minds on things of the spirit leading us to life and peace what are some practical tips that you might have, Terry? It helps me uh, to realize that the physical world, the material world that we live in, 
work in, breathe in, is uh, often a good metaphor for a spiritual life. So putting a watering pot beside a plant will not keep it from withering, right? And, and putting a dieting book beside a dozen donuts doesn't metaphysically change them into kale. <laughs> okay, so I think you get my point, is that we need to apply the reality of what the Bible says and, and realize I need to spiritually feed myself. I need to nurture the life that God has put into me with things that are of the Spirit. So it first comes with believing that it makes a difference. And what I believe absolutely impacts my emotional life. So, so I've, I'm a victim. Part of the reason that I'm here is because I have decades of failure. <laughs> there's, there's, that, uh, of figuring out how my choices negatively impact my relationships and my future and my present. So, so I right now, I'm, I'm diligent about sowing to the Spirit. That's one of the phrases the Bible uses, sowing to the Spirit. There is no life harvest from sin. You, you can't get good fruit from sin. You'll always get good fruit from sowing to the spiritual life in you. So first it begins with believing that. You have to believe devotional time makes a difference. Knowing God's word makes a difference. Asking for help in the spiritual kingdom makes a difference. So that, And then you have to figure out what in that spiritual world resonates with you. What you do and you do and she does, that's working for them. But figure out between you and God what is building his character back in you. So That's helpful. That's good. And um, speaking of the spirit, <laughs> Romans 8.11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. How does no how and what does knowing that the spirit of God lives in us change the way we live our daily lives? Ooh. Mitchell, you got any thoughts? All right, I'll take this one, I guess. I'm <laughs> not gonna assign or anything, but sure, I'll take it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of times we, you know, we we accept Jesus, we believe in Jesus, and we receive the Holy Spirit, and and things change for a little while, and they kind of die off sometimes. Um, and like we love the excitement, like the excitement is a really good motivator. But what happens when like when things get hard? Like what do you do? Um, and I think one thing that's that's really important to remember remember is that a grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. Um, like Paul talks about in Romans, like, like do this, don't do this, like believe this, choose this option. Um, Jesus, when he heals someone, he says, "Go, sin no more." Like those are those are choice statements. Like you have you have an option there. Um, and so yeah, so when you receive the Holy Spirit, you have you have a new option that you didn't have before. Because um, before you were in Christ, you had one option that was to sin. And then you receive the Holy Spirit, and now you have two. Um, and granted, there are tons of ways you can live either of those out, but like beforehand, you could choose any number of ways to sin in one, in one situation. Um, and then afterwards, now that you have the Holy Spirit, you have several ways to be righteous in that situation. 
Um, so it's like, yeah, and, and it gets hard to like, to remember to choose that in each moment. So you have to practice that um, so that when you get there, you can really do it. Um, a lot of times we just want, we want the outcome, but not the journey. And so we don't ever get the outcome. Like, like you can't win a race without training first. Like you can't lift the weight without going through the pain, like without the practice. Like you can't ace the exam without putting in the studying. Um, and so not that it's all on you, like it's not on you. Like God gave you the, God gave you the gift of grace. God gave you the ability to make the decision. He, he put it on your heart to even like try. Um, so none of it's on you. Sometimes it can seem like it is, but it's really not. Um, but yeah, when, when, you, when you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you have, you have a new choice that you didn't have before. Um, and we've got to just practice making those choices until they just become second nature. Um, and so that's how we have all these, these amazing, like, faithful guys in the face of, like, these big trials, like how Paul can just stand before the Roman tribunal and, and be fine. Like, he's got his eyes set in the spirit, and, and nobody else in the room does. Like, how did he do that? Years and years of practice and daily being like, no, I'm not going to choose that option. I'm going to choose this one. And then it becomes second nature. And then all of a sudden, he's the guy in the room preaching the gospel to Caesar. Like, yeah, a lot of times we just we expect it to happen, but we don't put the work in to get there. Um, and God gives you the ability to do that. So just, just run with it. Run with the grace he's given you. Yeah, by his spirit, right? That's good. Kaylee, you have any thoughts to add to that? Yeah. Um, I want to, you said grace is not opposed to effort, but is opposed to, how did you say that? Earning. Earning. Yeah, that's I, good. I didn't come up with that. That's I, it's good. Like, that's like one of my, one of my like, like influential guy in my life. He said mm. that, and I like, that was huge for me. So, so true. I think that even ties into like how I would answer that question, Rachel, is having the spirit in us changes completely how you fight sin and what you fight for. So I love that line. It's one of my favorite verses that if the spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, like if he is the one who rose Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. Like think what God can do in your life. That there is no sin that is um, impossible for God to conquer in your life. Like you don't have to look at your life and say, well, I'm going to struggle with that to the day I die. You have hope that the spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, which had never been done before, that same spirit, of defeating death is in you. And so that power is easy. Like, that's at your access. You have access to that power. Um, Jesus told his disciples that it was better for him to leave and for the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of him than it would be for the disciples to have Jesus right next to them. It's like, do I actually believe that? Do I actually believe that it's better that the Holy Spirit's inside of me than it would be to walk along with Jesus every day? And that's what he said is true, so I want to believe that. So I think, yeah, it affects how you fight sin, but then also what you fight for. Um, I don't know if Tony talked about this when he talked about um, the spirit dwelling inside of you, but in the Old Testament, um, the temple was a place where the spirit dwelled in the Holy of Holies, which was a set-apart place in the temple that only the high priest could enter one day a year to offer sacrifices, and there had to be this huge list of rituals to be able to even enter the Holy of Holies, to be able to offer sacrifices to the Spirit of God. And now, Paul says that you are the temple of the living God, 
but the Holy Spirit abides in you. And so because of that, your life is precious. You are valuable. You are bought at a cost. And so it's an opportunity for us to honor God with our life, with our um, mind, with our heart, with our soul, with our body, with every aspect that is in us. It's an opportunity for us to say, I'm a temple of the living God, and so I want to fight to live for him. That is so good. What a beautiful mystery that God lives in his people. It blows my mind. The spirit. <laughs> Holy cow. Wow. Oh, goodness. Um, there's more. <laughs> there's more in Romans 8. Guys, I just like, yeah, want you to even just, yeah, slow your hearts and your minds. And like, if you need to, refocus. Be like, spirit, you're in me. Help me to just, like, focus on these words because they're so good and so profound and beautiful for the Christians in the room. So just, if you need to, ask the Spirit to help us refocus our minds even and just, like, I just want to, like, hear every word and just be like, Spirit, help me to, like, yeah, for that to rest in me <laughs> as I leave. Um, but... We're moving on. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Kaylee, what does it mean that we are children of God? It means that we get to come to God as our dad, like not as our teacher or our taskmaster or our employer, but we have that familial relationship with him where he's the perfect dad. So just think about like a child running to their dad screaming, daddy, and just that innocence and beauty that's displayed in that. And that's the imagery that we have that we get to come before God and that everything that he has is ours. Like I think about my kids, they don't open the fridge and say, mom, may I please have this cup of milk. They just open the fridge and grab the cup of milk because they trust that I'm providing for them. Um, and so there's just, there's sweetness and freedom in knowing that God is our dad who um, provides for us, who knows our needs, who delights in us. Like he hangs our artwork up on his fridge. <laughs> like that kind of like posture toward us. And he wants to spend time with us and wants to give us good gifts. Oh, that's good. I just heard this um, kind of image used to depict God as father and us as children. Um, there was this professor at a nice university, and there was a student who was going to into that person's office, and they had, like, practiced, like, okay, here's what I'm going to say. Here's how I'm going to ask it. Here's how, I, like, the tone is going to be. And then... Um, like, right after that, the children ran into the room, and they were spinning on the chair, and they were like, Dad, can I try on your robe? Can I, like, oh, poking everything, going through the drawers, all of the things. And it's like, that's how we get to enter into God's throne room as children. And, um, yeah, by faith and his grace, we just get to come. He hangs, I love, he hangs our artwork on the fridge. What a beautiful picture that we have with our relationship with God as children um, of him. Um, but those verses 16 and 17 also mention that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Terry, what is an heir and what does it mean that we are heirs of God? 
Okay, everybody here knows what an heir is. Um, and the significant part of this is whose estate am I the beneficiary of? That, I think that's what Paul is wanting to tell us is that you have suddenly had your whole future transformed because there's a trust fund for you that's unbelievably deep and wide and cannot be exhausted. So that's what it means, that we are children of the King of Kings, God Almighty, and, and on the same plane with Jesus himself. That's what, that's what it means. Wow. Wow. That's good. <laughs> that's great news. Well, <laughs> it is. I, here's the flip side. There was a period in my life where if I had inherited my family's estate, it would have been bills. It would not have been assets. And so, so kind of like whose children do you want to be? Children of the king or lesser? So. Wow. And we didn't earn that. No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so that's, that's great. And that is like a future promise and a current reality that we cling to. But also, Romans 8 talks about suffering quite a bit. Christians are not, um, we don't avoid suffering in this life. Um, yeah, how do we suffer well? And how do we, what do we do when hard things come our way in this life? Okay, um, I'm going to try to make this a short answer, but we need to be on the same page. Think about what a difference it makes in our lives when our expectations don't line up with reality. And we expect a certain outcome, and it, it's not happening. And how emotionally devastating that is. So I am using the Bible to the, it, to the extent that I can to kind of create my expectations. What is life going to be like? You know, what should I expect? What are the probable outcomes? And Jesus didn't lie to any of his followers. He, didn't, he never promised this season would be easy for any of us. He was very, very plain truth speaker who said difficult times will come. You will be persecuted. Um, there is, but then he called that blessed. What? So Jesus is revolutionary. He's not promising that our now, right now, is going to be without trouble. But he does say, I will be with you. So this, this life that we're living in is mainly about our headspace. What do we think is what we deserve? What, what do we think we, deserve, we deserve out of life? And God is going to point out to us as we read his word that it's not comfort and convenience in the near term. It, it just There'll be short seasons of that. Celebrate when it's true. But there's going to be blindsiding times when you're devastated by the circumstance. And it, here's, as I was thinking about this question, I thought of, <laughs> I'll see if this has any traction at all. Take, take a, a few eggs, break them, put them in a bowl, chop in some green peppers, some ham, some onions, stir it up. And does it look good or does it smell good? No. It's gross. I, I thought about bringing some here and just seeing if anybody would try it. 
but apply some heat to that, and it turns into a delicious omelet, and yahoo. So, so <laughs> I, just, I, I just want you to kind of realize that the, the kingdom that God has promised isn't right now, right, right here. It's, he is still, he's still working out our future, and then it's going to be worth savoring. Yeah, I feel like to apply that, I'm going to go look at God's word about what God has to say about our lives to come. And um, just, yeah, have accurate expectations for this life. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to buy into the cultural idea that this life can be easy or um, we can um, avoid suffering when God's word says differently. Yeah, I, so receiving Christ, being adopted into that family has way more to do with our future than our present. We have a new destination, um, but in the meantime, we're, we're behind enemy lines. Yeah. Yeah, and relating to this, Romans 8 talks a lot about hope, and that is what our hope is in. <laughs> it's in the future. It's not in having comfort now. Um, specifically, it's talking about hoping in what is not seen and waiting patiently for what we hope in. Mitchell, what do you remind yourself of when you feel hopeless? Yeah. Um, when I introduced myself, I mentioned my job, like, First of all, like it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I thought working at home would be fun, and it's a real bummer. Um, <laughs> like studying at home, totally fine. You go to a coffee shop, that's cool. But working at home is totally different. Um, and that's, that's been hard. Um, but yeah, like when I... I, I memorized a memorized Bible verse for, for this occasion when I... And I'm feeling hopeless, and I memorized Psalm 42:11, um, which is uh, which is why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Um, hope in God, for again I shall praise you, uh, my salvation and my God. And it's exactly what I'm just talking about, right? Like, like you have something in the future to hope about. Like, again I will hope in God. Um, and yeah, like like so often we like we lose hope because we're so focused on our circumstances. But Romans 8's like, like, like a little slap to the face. It's like, like, no, that literally doesn't make sense. Like, you don't hope in what you see. You hope in what you don't see. You know, like, like, why do we do that? Like, I do, I do that so much. It's, it's so annoying. But, um, but like, it's awesome to have versus, like, uh, I don't know the verse in Romans 8, but awesome to have words that God gives us out of Romans 8. But, um, um but yeah, like, like a practical thing that's helped me out is, is memorizing that verse and just repeating it to myself. Just, like, reminding yourself some truth. And, um, yeah, Jesus comes through. Um, so just, just be patient. Yeah, a, a practical next step is memorize God's word. It is the, what we hope in that is unseen, and yet we can... We can tell ourselves what we hope in over and over. And so that's so good. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, continuing in Romans 8, verse 28 and verse 21 get thrown around quite a bit. And you guys have probably heard these verses 
part of it. They say, and we know that for the, those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I feel like those are pretty popular verses. Terry, how have you struggled with or clung to these verses in your life? I, I think I struggled with them before I understood them because it seems like such a sweeping promise of good things. Uh, but then I, I was uh, under some good teaching that we just slow down and look at the verses. And the qualifiers for who can claim this belongs to me is for those who love God. So there is an affection in me for God. And so you guys, uh, you gals, when you say you love someone, that's not a secret to the people around you. They can tell that your affections are drawn to that person, right? So A, do I love God? And B, am I called according to his purpose? And his purpose is, is making me better than I ever dreamt that I could be. And, and I, I liked your analogy earlier, Mitchell, about you, you don't get to lift big weight by starting there, you know. And so there's a training program that all of us who are disciples of Jesus are in, being changed into better and better and better humans who are less and less proud, less and less selfish. And so then, again, it's future-minded hope. What the hope came up earlier is that my hope is that my um, impact on other people around me and the consequences of that are going to keep being rewarding because the sin is always selfish and always destructive and it ruins my relationships and others so 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 it just kind of it doesn't again it's back to expectations Rachel about I don't expect God to keep me from having to work keep me from having to eat healthy food in order to stay sick, et cetera. So it's just, it changed my expectations about what his promise really is. That's good. That's good. So we're getting to the end of Romans 8. If the worship team wants to come on up. The closing verses of Romans 8 have been a great, great comfort for me in my short time walking with Jesus. And I'm sure, yeah, there's just a word for someone in the room tonight. Um, in this truth-packed text. So let's take a look at verses 37 through 39, the last verses in Romans 8. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What word of encouragement do you have for the saints here tonight? Let's end with Kaylee and Terry. That means I get to go first, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't steal mine. <laughs> There's a lot in Romans 8, and I've um, been praying about what to share with you guys tonight. And what has just landed for me is um, stick with me. Have you ever held a two-year-old who doesn't want to be held? Like, they're literally kicking screaming, flailing their arms. Believe me, this happens 
kind of regularly in my life. At the most inopportun inopportune moments, like we're crossing the street and Kate's like, I want down. She begins to use her head as a bowling ball. But in that moment, I am not going to let go of her. And so she's safe, not because she's really strong and really good at holding on to me, but she's safe because I'm holding on to her. And there's no way in the busy streets of Minneapolis that I'm going to let her down in the middle of that street. And that's the same way that God is with us. That if you are in Christ, he will never let you go. There will be seasons of your life where you're going to be tempted to use your head as a bowling ball, and you're going to kick and flail and try to run away from him, but he is strong, and he's not going to let go. It, it's described as Jesus as a good shepherd who leaves in 99 to find the one. And the strength of your security in Christ is not based on the strength of your faith. But your security in Christ is based on who your faith is and the strength of Jesus. That's good. Jesus is our rock. He's our steady rock that we can rely on, and he will never let you go. So that's my word. That's so good. That's good. Okay, but we got Terry too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. No, no, that was it. That sealed the deal. I'm good. Oh, okay. Thanks, Kayla. That's so good. Yeah. Our, the ability to hold on is not based on the strength of our faith, but the strength of what we put our faith in, which is yeah. Jesus. That's so good. So you, if you are in Christ, you're secure, not based on your ability to believe, but because of his ability to hold on to you. Terry, will you pray us out? God, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. I think of that verse, if you are for us, who can be successful against us? Your name is great and greatly to be praised. I'm thankful that I have gone from rebel to redeemed and from lost to found. And God, I want to use your word to enter into this uh, season of song worship and praise. Jude 24 and 25 says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.